But hey, let, let's get into the Word. I'm really excited about today's subject, and it's all about the year of corn, and we'll explain that in a second. Um, <clears throat> be quiet. <laughs> Shareholders in the kingdom, the foundation of God's order. This is the last in the series about God's order in his house. So we can't finish that up without talking about how the house of God, how does it run financially? What is, what is the material aspect of it? And uh, how does that relate to you? And how is that a, how's that a big part of your life? It's not just about, I would never teach giving or tithing. Well, tithe so the church's needs can be met. Well, that's silly, because if that's why we tithe, we should, if that's the only reason we tithe, we should shut the church down, because the church is only existing so it can exist. It's like the women I heard about who, who uh, you, know, you know what a doily is, the little, little things you put, and you put a, a vase of flowers on it or something. And I heard about a group of ladies who, who sewed doilies and sold them, and they used the money to pay for the heat for the room in the wintertime that they sewed the doilies in. So it's kind of a circular thing. <laughs> no, no, this, is, this giving is huge. Giving is huge. It's a part of your covenant with God. And uh, it's, a, it's all about your covenant with God. And it's all about worshiping God. It's, it's, your money represents everything about you. It represents your time. It represents your ability. It represents your education. It represents your labor, your sweat, it, your, your energy, your effort. Uh, every single part of your life is represented by your money. And so that's why it's such an important act of worship. And, and, uh, and also, I will, I'll explain how it has to do with the ear of corn. Let's read, quickly read a verse, uh, Matthew chapter, Mark chapter 10, verse 23. Jesus looked around, said to his disciples, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. This amazed them, for Jesus had said, dear children, it is very hard to enter the kingdom of God. In fact, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were astounded. Then who in the world can be saved? They asked. Jesus looked at them intently and said, Humanly speaking, it is impossible, but not with God. Everything is possible with God. That's an important sentence to all of this. A God of the impossible. And uh, they asked, uh, 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 Then Peter began to speak up. Lord, we've given up everything to follow you. Yes, Jesus replied, and I assure you that everyone who has given up houses or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or property for my sake and for the good news will receive now in return a hundred times as many houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and property along with persecution. We're not going to unpack that sentence. That's a deep sentence. We're not going to unpack it right now. But go study it and think about it. And in the world to come, that person will have eternal life. But many who are the greatest now will be the least important then, and those who seem the least important now will be the greatest. So, um, we, uh, we, we pick up a verse. I'm going to jump over, guys, a verse, and then I'm going to jump back to Luke. I'm going to go ahead to Malachi 3.10, for those of you who are running the projection. So this is a verse that you will hear often talked about when it talks about the tithe. Bring all the tithe into the storehouse. God was talking in the Old Testament church. And um, uh, uh, there, so there will be food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heavens. So now he's, God obviously does care that the, the house of God be supplied. So that was important. And the, 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 the food that was there took care of the priest. I, I think there, you could probably find instances where it also took care of 
needy people and the poor. But uh, anyway, that was to keep the lamps burning in the temple of God. Uh, I, will, I will open the windows of heaven for you, he said, if you do this. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have room enough to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. Your crops will be abundant, for I will guard them from insects and disease. Your grapes will not fail, fall from the vine, for they are ripe, says the Lord of heavens. The only place in the scripture where it says to test God. And, and just quickly, let me give you uh, three or four other quick references to tithing so you know it's biblical. First, you have Genesis chapter 14. Abraham paid a tithe. This is before the law of Moses. He paid a tenth to, Mel, to the priest Melchizedek. Then you have Genesis 28 20 and 22. Jacob told the Lord, if you, will, if you will prosper me and bless me and bring me back from where I'm going, I will give you a tenth of all I possess. And then you find Le- Leviticus chapter 27, verse 30. We find that it's in the law of Moses where he says, bring a tithe of everything from the land, from the grain, from the soil, from the fruit of the trees, etc. And then uh, if you think it's only Old Testament, you, and, and law, another affirmation is Matthew 5.20, where Jesus said uh, to Jesus said, uh, he had just been talking about how the Pharisees tithed, so sadistically they tithed, they took it to ridiculous uh, uh, proportions. And he said, except your righteousness uh, is better than the righteousness of the teachers of the religious law and the Pharisees, you will never be in the kingdom of God. So he didn't dismiss what they did. He said, we're just going to go beyond that, right? So um, go back to Luke 6.38. I'm going to invite the panel up here in a minute, and I'm going to let them tell you about this. He said, give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more running over and poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. Now, that's where the ear of corn comes in. Now, I learned something today because I was trying to guess what one kernel of corn, how many kernels one corn would produce. In my ignorance, I thought maybe one kernel of corn produced one ear of corn. But the farmers in the room and and, uh, all straightened me out. Now, Sherry, you're back there, right? There's 800 kernels on this alone. So you you don't know how many it actually produces. Okay. So we don't know. So so one one kernel of corn produces 800 kernels on this ear. And I don't know. Maybe somebody knows if one kernel produces more than one ear of corn. Okay. What? A whole stock? So five times 800 is 4,000. Right? That's amazing. Now, science can tell you what happens, but science can't tell you why. Why does it work? Why taking that one ear of corn? You could, you could pop it and put it in your mouth. You could boil it and put it in your mouth. But it would only make you want more. So you wouldn't, that would be dumb. Now you could, because you're smart. You're smart. You bury your, you bury your kernel of corn. You lose it. You lose control of it. You give control over to an, a, a force that has been structured into the fabric of reality. Who did it? Did somebody say God? 
you get an A on the test. <laughs> Jesus, the Bible calls him the Lord of the harvest. That's what this is all about today. So, we're going to show a quick uh, video of uh, one of our, uh, one of our uh, givers in, who do, who's not here today. They're in Florida for a wedding. And, and, and then uh, when that's all done, we're going to bring a whole panel up here. And I'm going to let them talk to you about this matter of giving and receiving. What's up, everybody? Uh, we were asked to share a little bit about tithing, very important thing to me and Caitlin, so it's our pleasure to do so. Um, I just want to start off by saying that uh, Caitlin and I are both the living testament of God's faithfulness through tithing um, and how amazing tithing is and what a gift it is to us. Um, God doesn't need us to tithe to build this church. He doesn't need our money at all, but he gives us an opportunity to invest in his kingdom, and he blessed doing it which is just a radical, amazing thing to grasp and to partake in. Um, you know, the other thing, too, is it's not just a financial blessing that you get from tithing, right? It's spiritual, it's relational, and it's personal blessings. Again, me and Caitlin are testament to all of those blessings from God, um, just by being obedient and doing what he asks us to do. It is the one area um, in the Bible where God asks us and challenges us to test it. Um, and we have experienced that we and you cannot outgive God. Uh, he's just so faithful, and, and you know when you are, when you are obedient and do what He asks you to do, He, uh, he just rewards you beyond uh, imagination. Um, and I'll, I'll end with this: A wise man once told me, he said, "Chris, the last thing to get saved is a person's uh, wallet." And it's funny, but if you think about it, it's so true. So I encourage each and every person listening to this message today who isn't already tithing. Give it a shot and see the amazing doors that God opens in your life. God bless. I, I will invite my panel up. I'm sorry. I thought I, thought I said that already. Uh, I, I told them, we talked with First Service how, what a terrible organizer I am. I, I often say I, I have trouble organizing a two-car funeral. <laughs> but... Uh, I understand when talking about money can be uncomfortable and you can be accused of being greedy when you talk about you as a pastor and a leader talking about money. Um, you can, uh, people would say, oh, you just talked about money. Well, uh, you know, actually, everywhere I go, they talk about money. I go to the restaurant. Those rascals, every time I get done eating, they want to talk about money. But sometimes before I eat, they want to talk about money. And... Um, you know, everything, every place I go, I go, we don't, we don't talk about the gas station right now. <laughs> Everywhere I go, they, they want to talk about money. What's wrong with them? Well, it's like I said, money is, uh, it's a tool. And that's what you got to see it as. We've got to quit being so sensitive about it. It's a tool. It's a wonderful tool. And God blesses us with the, with the kernel of corn. He blesses us with seed so we can plant it. So that's what we're going to talk about today. So I have some wonderful people around here, and they're going to be telling you some stories about their experience with giving and why they believe in it. So the first question is, what went through your mind that caused you to ever start believing that tithing and giving to God's work was the thing to do? I'm going to ask Mike Seaver to start, because Mike Seaver came to our church 34 years ago, 
we were like 30 people or 25 or 30 people, and I preached on a, a message that included tithing. It was on stewardship, which is, means that we're owners, we're, 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 we're managers, not owners. And so uh, Mike, uh, God has, has blessed his life, but I want him to be the first, and then I think at least one other person is going to go talk about this. What caused you to start doing this? Well, um, as I said earlier, basically, on my own, I was screwing things up, okay? So uh, I had walked away from God for several years, uh, wasn't uh, really part of my life. I was, I was uh, doing things on my own. I was thinking, as they were singing that song today, uh, just that last song, they said, all, all my life you have been faithful, all my life you have been so, so good. And that's so true of God, that's so true of Jesus, but the next part wasn't so true. With every breath that I am able, oh, I will sing of the goodness of God, because I wasn't doing that, right? I was relying on myself to do it, making my own choices, and really messing things up with relationships, with uh, you know, careers, with, and certainly with money. And at the time when I, even coming to church that first time, I didn't come with the motive of finding God. I came with just my own motives uh, and walked away with that. You know, God was faithful. He was in the background being faithful and got me there somehow that day. But, um, um, and uh, what I heard that day, in my mind, what I heard was a sermon that talked about the idea of stewardship. And I don't remember really the tithing part so much or that kind of thing, but I remember the idea of stewardship, and I remember that hitting me that day, the idea that really all of this is not mine. Okay, the good, the bad, the ugly. The debt wasn't mine. The, the income wasn't mine. It all was God's, okay? And for me, that was a tremendous sense of relief. Okay, because I've been trying to do this on my own, trying to dig myself out of this hole unsuccessfully. And this thought process that, uh, you know, I could put all of this and I could put it at the feet of Jesus and not walk away from it, but know that I had support and help in walking myself through this and out of this situation. Uh, you know, you still have to do the work and put the time and energy and effort into it to get out of there. But my approach and thought process towards it was entirely different after that. And as I looked at stewardship and looked at that and this belonging to God, the idea of tithing and giving made complete sense. Uh, it was really giving back what was already God's. And, and so, and I can't say that I tithed right away or tithed a tenth. I don't remember, to tell you the truth. But I did start giving uh, very quickly and noticed a major change in my, how I felt and, and, and just uh, you know, how things in my life went from that point on. So, uh, Ward, would you answer sure. uh, that question? <laughs> sure. So, can you hear me? Yeah. So, when Steph and I first got married, we, um, we made that conscious decision. We said, you know, we want to, you know, be obedient. It's a commandment. We want to be, you know, following the scripture and, and, and tithe our, our 10%. And it's scary when you're first married, right? You, how are you going to do things? How are you going to set bills up and, and do all these things? But we said we want Christ to be the center of our, our marriage and our life. And, and through that, what we found, you know, five years later is that, you know, 
it really does grow your, your faith. It, you're trusting God. You're putting all that in God's hands, as Mike was saying. And it's, it really has, we've seen the joy of it, and not just financially, not, not even financially, more so in just our walk with, with Christ and, and how it's strengthened our trust in him. Anybody else want to jump in on this? Uh, this question of what caused you to do this? We've we got a lot of ground to cover, so if you keep it brief, I'd appreciate it. But uh, if you have a comment about this, I'd, I'd love to hear it. We have uh, uh, m- mom and dad, Nan and Papa, Quentin and Helen, whatever they are to you. They're mom and dad to me, and uh, they're in the back. They have a mic, so they'll be weighing in as well. Okay, we got a lot to cover, so uh, that's all right. Um, why have you remained committed? You, d- you started it, but what did, why have you remained committed to this principle? Um, obviously, uh, you know, I, I remember, I remember, Mike. Uh, uh, we had to loan you money to get your car fixed. Sherry and I did, and of course, we didn't have much money either. So we, <laughs> we, we were. Uh, Mike had part of uh, was part of a, a little real estate firm that called Help You Sell. I think you had three agents, right? Yep. Th- three or four agents in a little, little firm called Help You Sell. And uh, uh, so, uh, obviously, and I'm not, we're not trying to, we're not trying, I know you've heard of this thing called the prosperity gospel that guarantees no illness, no financial setbacks, but of course you have to give to the person who's teaching you that for it to work. (laughs) But we're not, we're not saying that at all. We're not saying your life won't necessarily look like Mike's or Sherry's or mine or Ward and Stephanie's or the Kramer's or Peterson's. You're, you're, God's going to guide your life in his own particular way. But I will, what we're saying is you will have the blessing of God. That's what we're saying. So uh, why have you continued? What has God, how has God showed you this is the right path continually? Well, um, I, I think what I would say is, um, I mean, my parents, I was raised Catholic, and they taught us, you know, we should give in the offering at church every Sunday. And so at a young age, they started teaching us giving. And then when I was born again, when I was 18, I, I, I got hungry for God's word. And, and I saw the tithing principle in there. And I'm like, you know, I, I love Jesus and I want to please him. I want to do what, you know, what he instructs me to do in his word. And so starting back then it's it's never become an issue of oh am i going to tithe my from my paycheck this week it's always been this is what i do this is just a, a a part of my life now this is just you know my my pattern that i that i follow and so that's you know that's how it is <laughs> dave i thought you had a very interesting observation in the first service and, and i thought it, it, and and to me it it helps answer the question is why the deeper why that we do this. Okay, what I said is that this comes back to being consistent with your values. You support what you value, and we all want to value what God values. And if you think your values are out of sync with God, ask Him for help. He may do it in a Damascus experience, or He may do it gradually over time. By the way, I did not introduce everybody, so I'll, uh, this is Dave and Donna Peterson, Mike Seaver, Sherry McCutcheon, and uh, Gordon Stephanie Wetherill, 
and Doug and Melissa Kramer, all amazing people, and Nana and Papa Matt's in the back. So anybody else, you, would you like to weigh in on that? Okay, what, why have you continued this? What, what, what has made you know that this is a continual practice, either the blessings of God or, or the con deep conviction, like David talked about, that it, it's consistent with your values? Um, I would say that uh, God has proven himself over and over to be faithful uh, to our family uh, through the uh, blessing of tithing. And uh, also, everybody wants your money. So whether it was the, the you know, police fundraiser or adopt a whale or get a star named after <laughs> yeah. you, everybody is calling and asking for your money. <clears throat> and somebody told me that uh, the world will support all those causes, but nobody will give their money to the church except the Christians. And that helped me to simplify uh, the noise and to say that um, let's focus it on where Jesus is working. And so that's how I decided to settle on my giving. That's really good. That's really good. That's excellent. Uh, I'm going to hear uh, some stories from the group about times when God has miraculously provided Maybe it, it was there a time when it was really difficult to do. You obey God, and God came through for you. I, I'm going to tell a story I didn't tell in the first service. But <clears throat> That's allowed. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I was raised by people who always paid tithes. By the time I came along, I was the third child uh, to Helen and Quentin. They had settled that conversation if there ever was one, because it was just the most fluent thing. We knew our family was going to give tithes and offerings. There was never a question. And the second thing was, we knew God was going to meet whatever need our family had. That was also never a question. And so I was raised just to believe that there was this abundance in heaven that my father owned the cattle on a thousand hills. And, you know, my parents um, told of the faithfulness of God to their children. Our dinner table was a place for them to talk about God's faithfulness to our temporal needs. And the Bible says that you are to tell the next generation of the faithfulness of God. That's a lost art in the church. We talk about what we agree with, what we don't agree with. It's not enough of talking about what God has done and his faithfulness to us. But when we first came to New England, um, we came to this church. There were seven people. There were uh, seven um, people, but three of them were children. And so they weren't really paying tithes. So there were two tithe payers in our church at the time that we came, and us, so three. And Phil had not worked outside of uh, pastoring before, but we got to New England, uh, to Milford, and we knew that we had to feed our children. They, they seemed like they still wanted to eat, and <laughs> yep. Yeah. And we, um, we had a kid who was always like, let's go, let's find out what horrible thing we can get into next. And that was Jay. And 
one day, um, Phil had found a job through a miraculous thing that had happened, and that was great, and we were getting a paycheck, and so we were, we were okay in terms of feeding ourselves, but we did not have health insurance. And so I took Jay to Burger King one day. I'll never forget, um, Lucy Pilling and I met at Burger King in Medway, and back in those days, they had this crazy idea that they would put a pole in the middle of their play space with nothing in, below it, and kids could just drop from 18 feet up or something. Those were the days. Man. Those were the days. <laughs> and my boy thought it would be the coolest thing he'd ever done to climb up and just see what it felt like just to drop down. <laughs> yeah, one, one hand and then boom. And, and, and he actually injured his hip. We go home, we have a couple days, we're trying to figure out, we don't have health insurance, we know it's going to cost a lot to go to the hospital. And finally I called Phil and said, Phil, listen, he's, he's not using, he's, he's dragging himself around. He was still going places, but he was sort of dragging on the floor. And um, took him, Phil said, going to have to go to the hospital. Took him to the hospital, found out he had cracked his little hip. They provided us with a solution, and on the way home, I stopped by the church to get the mail. I opened the mailbox, and there was a, a sizable check, sizable check, and it said, please use this for your health care needs. The principle of God being ahead, ahead of your needs, and the ability that I can say to my kids, you're not trusting in me. I remember as a kid, my dad would say, some trust in chariots, some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. And when you train your kids in that way, your kids have this rock-solid understanding that they are sitting with the accompaniment of the presence of God in everything that they do. So I, I wanted you guys to hear that story. And then Nana and Papa, tell them the story of, your, uh, of God showing up for you guys and the knock on the door. You know, Sherry... I think maybe has more than one of these in her mind, but what she referred to is I had uh, finished my first year of college and uh, my GI Bill, $160 a month, was getting us by, you know. But if I don't go to summer school, uh, we don't get that. And so I thought we'd make some money <clears throat> with plywood, I mean with uh, pulpwood. Tried that for about a week, and it didn't work out. Tried selling magazines, and that didn't work so good. Got a job uh, as a truck driver, and uh, my memory of it is I went out for the four o'clock shift, got in the truck, Pretty cocky. Um, I'd driven truck on the farm a lot, and I was pretty cocky, I think. And 
took the first load out, dumped it, came back into the pit where they filled the truck up for the next load, and I had not secured the tailgate. So gravity being what it is, just the sand pushed that gate out, and half the load fell in that pit. And that's not what the guys that run the show wanted, so I got fired. <laughs> First time I ever been fired, actually the last time too. So I went home pretty, pretty despondent and uh, Helen says, well, let's pray. I said, no, I'm not gonna pray. <laughs> I prayed enough. <laughs> I was just beat. But she started to pray and the young man that was a son of the uh, manager sir, of the trailer park where we were living says, Mr. Matson, you have a phone call up here. And it was the laborers union uh, office called me out to take a job the same place I'd had the truck driving job, but it was different. And this worked out so that I got, I ended up about twice as much as the truck driving job was. And it lasted the rest of the summer. And before the summer was over, God provided a job that I could work 16 hours a week while I was going to college. And all my life, he has been faithful and always provided for our needs. Did, did, did you tell about the knock on the door? Did he tell about yes. that? Oh, you didn't tell. I, I, I couldn't hear everything you were saying. Uh, you, you know, uh, Sherry and I, uh, that story reminded me of what our mindset was. And, and uh, uh, our mindset, you know, uh, our mindset follows our action more than the other way around. Uh, and uh, I look back, I realize we did not view the church or a job as our source. We viewed God as our source. So it wasn't a big decision for us. I mean, you, everybody knows Sherry. You know she's just a person with great faith. And just greater faith than I have. Just great faith. And so, but I, I never had to beg her to do something that was sacrificial. And, and we took this church with seven people, as she said. There was no money. It never even dawned on debt. us. There was debt. There was a lot of debt. There was debt. It never even dawned on us that we should worry about this. And we had two little kids to take care of. It never even dawned on us. I'm, we're talking about driving all the way from Florida. Our, our car blew up in Providence. Really, they started leaking oil all over the place in Providence, and that's a long story, how God, uh, how God fixed that. But it didn't feel like a big deal to us because God was our source. The church wasn't our source. Even the job I got was not my source, and that's a whole wonderful story. But uh, 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 there was no salary. We, we didn't take a salary for, I believe, a year and a half before we took any money from the church at all. We took no money. And it, it didn't feel, I mean, Mike, you were talking about the things we used to do. We had so much fun. We, we, 
on at least one occasion, we played tackle football inside our house, inside, our, inside a, a, one of the members' apartments. I believe it was co-ed tackle football, too. Co-ed tackle. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we were ahead of our time, man. We were equal rights. I think before. I won most of the time. <laughs> and, I mean, one little side note, this job I got, that's a long story. I just tell you, that they had season's tickets to the Red Sox game. Uh, box seats, third row from, at the first baseline. So you're right above the Red Sox dugout. And I used to take Jay and I took Christy. We would go to the games. We, had, we didn't have enough money to even buy a Coke, but we could go to the game, you know? I, it was, uh, I just, and it's, it's because of this principle. It's what Mike was talking about at the beginning. So what I want to, the next question I want to give to the group is, uh, how do you, what, what are the benefits to your attitude, uh, mental health, psychology, that you feel that you've gained from this. Stephanie, I think you're ready to go. I'm ready to go. <laughs> um, yeah, we've, we've received a lot of blessings in our life mentally and psychologically through the act of regular tithing. And the biggest thing is really just having that peace and that assurance that it is not for me to worry about. And I think it's, it is a very, it's, it's actually like a very palpable feeling within you of like, letting go and like losing that need to have anxiety about things and our recent um, experience was when we decided that we needed someone to stay home with baby anchor and we made the decision um, that I would be leaving my job and walking away from half of our income you know we did not worry about it we knew it was the right choice we knew it was what we were going to do and and it's not up to us to determine how that provision is going to look and um the story from the Bible that I've been thinking about over the past few months, um, we're coming up on a year since I left my job, is really in Matthew when Jesus calls Peter out of the boat and calls him to walk on the water through the storm. And when Peter starts to look around and look at his circumstance rather than his savior, he starts to sink. That's good. And it's, it's the same in our life and in all of our financial circumstances and life circumstances is where are your eyes fixed? And it's been a blessing to have an opportunity in life where, you know, we have the need. What's causing you to look up? You know, if you, if you are surviving on your own devices, you miss out on so much of what God has in store for you, of taking care of you, of not having to carry that stress. So it's been a huge blessing in our life. That's really good. That's really good. Uh, I, I want, uh, you got something like I was going to say, I, I like to give. It makes yeah. me feel good to give. And uh, I've been blessed in so many ways throughout the years. Some, I didn't always make the connection necessarily to God working, but you know, my business being blessed and just in relationships and so many things being blessed by, by taking this step. But it's also, it's also, I always looked at tithing and giving as an act of worship. And, uh, and it's, it's kind of like that last stronghold that if you're willing to, you know, because the things we think about, if you're willing to put your money on the table and give, then you're pretty much willing to do most anything, I think. I think so, And yeah. And uh, so for me, just doing that is so powerful. And the thing I learned is the awesomeness of what God can do with that. And whatever 
I'm thinking is so small to what God does with it. And I said this in the earlier service, I think that, you know, if God was a math teacher, the only thing he would teach is multiplication. That's good. Because that's what God does. He multiplies what we bring to him and, and, and makes it so much bigger, so much greater, so much more awesome than we can possibly do on our own or think we can possibly do with our own plans. And, uh, and, and so to me, it's, I like to give still the old-fashioned way because it causes me to really think about it each time as the first fruits and, 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 and uh, given to God first and, and as a sign of worship. And so to me, I, 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 mentally, emotionally, it's just such a, such a great thing. I want to just say that there's a difference between being a contributor and a tither. And um, I don't mean in, within the church, but I mean just in how we construct our money. And, um, you know, I'm so grateful my parents taught me that tithing is an act of obedience. It's a spiritual thing rather than me having authority or control over the place that I choose to write a check to. And so I never had the conflict of, oh, I gave my money and they're not doing what I want them to do. I mean, if you guys think Phil always does what I want him to do, you're wrong. <laughs> I would probably put some money some different places than where he decides it's going to go. But there's no conflict for me about giving because I am absolutely being obedient and that's it. That's it. What happens on the other end of it, we've been attenders of churches where, you know, there wasn't always, um, the, the, fund, the funds weren't necessarily always going where we'd have voted for them to go. But the great thing was it didn't have anything to do with us and how God treated us and how God responded to us as a result of that. Simply being obedient. And the last thing I want to say is that God is so practical that Lamps have to be, have oil or electricity. There has to be seats to sit in. There has to be presence in your community. And you establish presence like we have done by having an address. And an address costs money. And so I think it's an amazing thing that God has produced this idea of partnering with your money and doing it as a, as a whole of the, of the whole, um, a kernel of the whole, uh, head, uh, what's it called? Ear, ear. ear of corn. Ear of corn. <laughs> I don't know why it's in the ear, but. <laughs> I don't either. That's um, and, and this is so important to teach yourself and your kids. You're not giving to accomplish some purpose you have. The carpet color, the clothing, approach the pastor has the you're not giving for that purpose you are simply giving out of obedience and obedience produces amazing 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 things in your life and if you treat teach your children to do it it will also produce amazing thing in their life and uh you know uh it's, it's fascinating to me how God uh, d 
God creates a order for our lives that's good for us personally, good for us spiritually, psychologically, materially, and it's good for the people around us. It's good for this organization called the church. We would come up with something that somebody would get cheated. If I created a plan, either I would get cheated because I, wouldn't, I wasn't blessed enough to pay my bills or eat or have food for my family, or, or the church wasn't supplied in what it needs. But God has created this, this thing. You call it, I, Chuck Milhoff preached a famous sermon years ago called Giving Living. And you, you should go on YouTube. You can find it there. Uh, it's, it's a fabulous sermon. And in, he's, uh, the sermon on YouTube, he's actually preaching at Liberty University many, many years ago, back when Liberty was young. And he tells the students there, uh, he said, here's how you practice giving living. He said, today, when you go to the cafeteria, instead of sitting with the people that are the most popular and worried about who you get to sit with, go find the kid that nobody wants to sit with or is not dressed well and the kid that's not included and invest your life into that person. That's giving living. So this is way more than just our money. This is our life. This is our life. Does anybody have any comment about that? Because Paul talked about the Philippians who gave of themselves. They gave to us materially, he said, but they also gave themselves. Do you find the principle of giving bleeding into all kinds of other areas of your life? And is that good for you and everybody else? Doug, you look, you got something. Yeah. Well, I was thinking um, we were always part of a small church. So the concept of just being able to come and attend wasn't uh, really an option. There, there was always somebody that would tap you on the shoulder. So uh, we learned to participate in serving. And um, that's part of the joy of giving to something bigger than ourselves. I really appreciate by being part of this team is that we can work together to reach the community in a way much bigger than I could with with my limited talents and skills, we pull them together, and God can use them to make something amazing. So um, beyond just financial giving, there was serving at the uh, harvest party or uh, international food festival, the school, um, just different ways that we can participate in God's kingdom. And there's a satisfaction also that God provides with that. Um, so I just wanted to That's good. share that. That's good. And, uh, and I, I'm privileged to watch all of you go through this and be blessed in so many ways. And, you know, like sometimes you, you get called to make a decision that reduces your income. And if I was just in it for the money, I would call you up and, oh, don't do that because you won't have as much to give to the church. But no, I'm delighted when you obey God. And because... Larry Lee, a guy from Texas, used to say, if you will obey God in the matter of giving, God will bless you with money or that which money cannot buy. And that is, that's the guarantee that I make to you today, is that that is true. Thank you, panel, that you've been awesome. Thank you so much for serving. Uh, God bless you. Can keep your, you can stay here. Uh, I want to pray for you today, and I want to pray for those of you who have financial need, because I know 
that that's true here today, that some of you have financial need. And it's not necessarily because you didn't, you weren't obedient. It could be, but not necessarily. But I just want to pray for you. I know uh, these are stressful times financially. And the forecast doesn't, and unless you've been, you know, locked away in your room and no internet and no TV, uh, you know that things, the forecast aren't great for the econ- our economy here in the United States. Uh, but uh, that's, to me, that's the benefit of making God my source. And I really believe that. But I still want to pray for you, that God will help you. And uh, all the time here in this community, people are helping one another financially. And I just had conversations the last two days, someone who has uh, some p- serious financial need and resources are being gathered to help them through this time. So I want to pray for you. Also, I want to issue a challenge. I call it the 90-day tithing challenge. I'm not going to pass any cards out for you to sign. I'm not going to be any follow-up to see if you did it or even to give you some, quote, encouragement. <laughs> no, we're just going to leave it between you and God. I want, to, I want to challenge you, if you're not a tither, to try it for 90 days and just see how God talks to you. Also, if you're struggling with it, I've had many times people will hear a sermon like this or a teaching like this, and they're struggling. And I, I, I don't want to share all the advice that I share with them right now for time and other reasons. But I do share with them, and I, I've, sh- I, 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 I've shared with them kind of a formula that has worked time and time again for people who, who, who weren't doing it at all, and it's a big thing to jump to that level of giving, right? So now I, my, my, the best thing you could do is just do it. That's the best thing you could do. But if you're struggling, I'll be happy to talk to you about it. Hey, we got a big God. You ready to, it, it's, like, it's like oil in the ground. And how do you access it? How do you get to it so it becomes usable and provides income? That's what this is. God has resources. And he says to give, given it shall be given to you. Pressed down, shaken together. Well, men give in your bosom. Giving, dying, giving, living is the way to access the resources and riches of God that's, that's in the world that we live in for you. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray for our friends here today who might be struggling financially, who don't know how they're going to make the next payment, who are worried about their job. Maybe they, they, maybe they don't have a job. And I pray, God, for our friends who are on fixed incomes. And so when, when, when suddenly prices go up, their, their fixed income doesn't automatically adjust. I pray, God, that you will help them and bless them and show us how we can help and bless as well. And I pray, God, that you will, to, that you will talk to the hearts of the people who need to make this step in their life, this step of commitment to Christ. Let them know it's way bigger than money. It's about their whole life. It's about their faith in you. And show them today and show all of us that if we can believe that a man can be raised from the dead and ascend to the right hand of the Father and give us eternal salvation, we can trust you with anything in our lives. And we pray it all in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Amen. We're so blessed that we serve a God that we can be in confidence to know that obedience is better. 
obedience is when we obey God, he takes care of us um, and he chooses to delight in us and bless us in ways that we don't deserve. Amen.